0: Living in retrospect is a bad idea, and sometimes we let our same old stories hold us back from the new adventure God has for us. But here's the truth God wants to restory us, transforming our tales of tragedy into epics to anticipate. In this podcast, Mary DeMuth interviews people who have lived through God's powerful restory process, where they've discovered healing, joy, and a brand new perspective. So let's shed that old, painful story and find the freedom we've been longing for. The ReStory Podcast starts now.
1: The ReStory Show, episode number 17. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash ReStory. They have over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or your MP3 player. Today, I'm really happy to welcome my friend Andy Traub to the ReStory Show. He's got a great story about transition, which has been a really good interview for me to listen to because our family is currently in the middle of a transition. We met several years ago via the internet because I was starting a new podcast at that time was the Uncaged podcast. And so his help was, it was invaluable to me as I laid the groundwork for the ReStory show, which would come later. So let's go ahead and listen to Andy's story. Hey, I'm on the ReStory show today with Andy Traub and he and I met cyberly. Have we met in person?
0: Yeah, we hung out at the uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. at Opry that place, right? Yeah,
1: the, yes, that like crazy weird indoor hotel place. And uh, so, yes, with your kids and all that. Yes, we've met in person.
0: Let's just say this, not a great place to hang out. Like it was <laughs> great to see you, but it was so loud. <laughs> and there's like people going by and wraps and they're shopping and <laughs> anyway, but yeah. it, was, it was great to meet you. It
1: was, it was good to see you in person.
0: My wife has a great affection for you and all of your, your beautiful work.
1: I love her. I think she's awesome. And Andy and I met through cyberspace, like a lot of Andy's friends, I think. Um, and through <laughs>
0: that <laughs> no. may have just made me sound really pathetic. Like
1: I, most a, of Andy's
0: <laughs> friends, he's only met through the internet.
1: He's totally anyway, a nerd. So Andy's a nerd, and he meets people online. And uh, no, he was he was helping me way back when when I started my first podcast. And that all of that help has help has been foundational for me to be able to do this. This next podcast, which has been going pretty well. So anyway, welcome, Andy, and thanks for being on the Restory Show.
0: Well, I am sincerely honored and a little nervous. And I think that for me to be nervous <laughs> is a sign that I take this pretty seriously, because I kind of love just to talk and be up in front of people. Like some people's fear, they fear death more than talking in front of people. And I would fear not being able to talk in front of people more than death. Like, I just want to be in front of an audience. But when I get to be a part of a conversation, I'll put it that way, with someone that I trust and that I know has uh, an affinity for vulnerability and honesty, you know, I can't fake it. And that's exciting and also and it has a little fear in me at the same time. So I'm sincerely <laughs> looking forward to the conversation today.
1: Awesome, that was a great answer to that. So glad to have you and we're going to talk a little bit about transition and family. So f- let's start with first who is in your immediate family and maybe a little before that just a little bit of your background like how you grew up and where you met your wife and then give us your sure. family.
0: Sure. So I work from home. You might be able to hear. I didn't lock my door so you might we might get a disruption. We'll see. <laughs> Uh, I was born and raised in Indianapolis, Indiana, Uh, was raised uh, the youngest of four and um, great parents and went to, you know, did all sports and went to nice private schools and, and lived a pretty awesome middle class life. Went to college at Indiana University, about an hour and a half south of where I used to live. And um, had a great, great time there. Uh, My freshman year of high school, went to a camp sponsored by a group called Young Life, which I'd never really heard of. (laughs) Woohoo! Didn't have it at our school. I don't really remember how we got connected with it, but somehow a bunch of Catholic kids went to Young Life camp. And our priest took us, which was interesting. Wow. Uh, I didn't realize how interesting that was at the time, but that's very interesting if you know much about Young Life. We had a great time and most of us said, yay for Jesus for the first time. And it was a great experience. And then I went off to college and I got involved in Young Life uh, more and more deeply and became a Young Life leader and went on Young Life staff after college. And that took me to Michigan to follow my mentor through high school and then through college. And then they moved to Michigan. So, I moved uh, to West Michigan to, to work with them and just be a part of their life. Which was a, an honor, and then I about after about two years, I got engaged to the wrong person, Ooh. and found that out. Um, we we broke off the wedding a month before the wedding day. Wow! So you know, I always say that, and then I kind of feel like I want to follow it up with like, oh, this isn't too much of a spoiler, but it's April twelfth. Like, imagine if you're supposed to get married May twelfth, <laughs> and you're like, you know. Let's cancel today. Uh, so flights <laughs> were booked and, and, you know, the church choir was practicing songs and yada, yada. But we, we canceled it and I quit my job at the church I was working at, went to go move in with my mentors, moved in, moved in their basement, <laughs> hmm. uh, got a job at Bed Bath & Beyond. <laughs> uh, and it was one of the purest, most beautiful times of my life because hmm. sort of all the pretense was stripped away, all the plans. And it was sort of like, what do you have left when you take away your work in your main relationship, and what you end up is you find out who your real friends are. You find out that people come and go, but but God is always sort of just waiting to to uh, to catch you, uh, even when you make. I mean, it was I made some really poor decisions in getting engaged to the wrong person. Mm. Really rash decisions, impulsive decisions. Uh, we didn't have a good relationship, and and I took a lot of responsibility for that. I don't I don't pin that on her and you know it was a really good thing we didn't get married but my life was i basically just kind of started over you know when you work at bed bath and beyond your life is kind of starting over <laughs> at age like 28 or whatever and and i ended up being a great place to work and, and a great community and and then i sort of nursed myself and had other people nurse me back to health and so i went back into ministry and that's when i called a, a regional vice president her name's gail and she said uh, how about sioux falls south dakota and i said great i don't know where that is but I'll, I'll look <laughs> at a map and try to find it. And so I got a job working for Young Life in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And on the second day I lived there, I met my wife, my now wife. Uh, I didn't do that impulsive thing. Again, I didn't like marry my wife on the second day I lived there. That's good. Uh, I met her. <laughs> yeah, I learned my lesson. And uh, met her and she was involved in Campus Crusade for Christ and had a Young Life background. And, and so we hit it off and got married I don't know, a year or so later, maybe longer. I don't know she would be able to tell you the date and time. Then we lived in Sioux Falls the last ten years, and I had a series of jobs and um, left Young Life after a while, not on bad terms, but just wanted to be more, a little more entrepreneurial, and have written some books and do consulting and technology consulting and business leadership, and all. I'm I'm a I'm a wandering generality, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> and uh, in the process, we had three kids, and we moved to Tennessee. Gosh, almost two years ago. I think it'll be two years ago this summer, which is. Amazing, and I made a comment yesterday on Facebook that it felt like no, it was a picture from four years ago, and I said it felt like feels like that picture was twenty years ago. Mm. And someone commented, "Well, there's five people in the picture, and the the picture was four years ago, so it kind of was twenty years." (laughs) And it got me thinking, like, yeah, I kind of do. Like everything's expanded because my because I get to experience the development of my kids and my wife Mm -hmm. and I. So moving here has been good and difficult. And we, we don't regret it, but it's been really hard. And we have found a phenomenal marriage counselor here, which has been a, a huge blessing. I, I was always a little like, yeah, your church's great when people talk about how much they love their church, but like we really do love our church. We've never loved a church as much as we love our church that so we are a part of here. And, you know, business is fine and we have a nice house and, you know, life is pretty good here. Uh, it doesn't snow in May, which it used to, <laughs> where I used to live. Um, wow. And, you know, I, I have a I have a pretty blessed life, but the uh, I think what we're going to talk about a lot today is the move, and uh, that has been a lot more difficult than I anticipated.
1: So bring me back to the decision. Why did you choose to move? And I know that was her home. Yeah. What made you both come to that conclusion that it was time to move on, and what kind of w- were the factors to make that decision? One
0: of them was that I have a lot of friends here. And then I was doing business with them. I was traveling here four or five times a year. Uh, and this area is south of Nashville, Franklin, Spring Hill. That's the area I live in. And I was just traveling here quite a bit. And I was going into a, a business relationship with someone that said, hey, if you lived here, this would be a lot easier. And it wasn't like an, all my business was going to come through them. But it, it would just became a place where I was really deepening connections, just friendships. You know, I don't just do business with anybody. I usually do business with people that I... Really trust and love and and look up to and and so um, my wife's like kind of like hey I, I don't want you to travel as much and I loved being here every time I had to drive to the airport and leave my rental car I was kind of hoping you know I didn't have to do that and I asked her gently uh, about it and she was very resistant because her whole life uh, other than when she had left for a few years for ministry uh, was in Sioux Falls and her parents. Uh, both live there. They're divorced, but they both still live there. And she has sister uh, and nieces and nephews that are there. And and it's just she doesn't like change. She really likes her personality such that she just like goes, "Hey, here's my groove, and I'm happy to stay in it. I don't need roller coasters and trips to anywhere else." And I like like an example is like for Campus Crusade for Christ. I think one one summer, one month, she went to France, and I was like, "Well, how wasn't?" She's was, like, "It was. It was fine." I was like, <laughs> France was fine, but you know, like she, it was beautiful and all. But she just really missed home. Like she's, she just really has a personality. She says, "I like to sort of create my space mm-hmm. and then live in it, and and, that, and that's really good for her." And so it was a really big challenge to to bring it up to her. And I really felt the Lord telling me, Andy, you know how to sell, but do not try mm-hmm. to sell this stuff.
1: Good like, point.
0: Very clear from the very beginning. That I could try to like set this thing up, or if I could just kind of, it's the difference between pushing it on someone and literally open handed saying, Hey, you can pick this up or not. I mean, people can't see, but I've got my hand open here, like palm up. And, it, you know, that is a very non threatening posture, like take it or leave it, that's fine. And then I also had to say, Hey, if we stay, I'm not going to hold it against her. If we go, I'm going to work my tail off to make sure it's a good transition. And so we visited and uh, she kind of freaked out. On her own admission, it was a really weird thing for her. Uh, it was really scary, but we decided to to go for it. And the other is, I want to, I want my kids to know that the world's a big place.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm very
0: grateful for the example my parents gave me that I was born and raised in the exact same house my entire life. But I love that my kids have an understanding of how big the world is. Mm. Uh, And I, and I wanted them to, and now, you know, granted, some people are laughing because they're like, dude, you moved from South Dakota, Tennessee. It's not like you went somewhere amazing. But for me, like my, my vacations growing up were like three hours away. Like Mm -hmm. that's where we went. And so the idea that you can get on a plane as a child and go somewhere or grandma can come visit or this, I mean, it's just, they don't have limitations in their mindset anymore about where they could live. And that was a big part of it. The weather was a big part. It's beautiful here. Uh, We went and visited Sioux Falls about three weeks ago and spring was just popping here and it was very not spring. So things like that matter. I mean, it seems a little petty, but it's like, well, if you wake up every day and it's 40 or it's 70, like I'm
1: going to pick 70,
0: you know, so it's 70 and sunny here
1: today. Mm -hmm. Same here. (laughs) Same in Dallas. Yeah. So when you initially brought it up and she was resistant and then she visited and had another kind of a resistant attack (laughs) and then uh, you prayed through it, I am guessing that God must have given her some sort of freedom or peace or confirmation to take that leap. I I would imagine too that there was still fear attached.
0: Definitely fear, but I think that I, I'm a sarcastic person, um, or I have a dry humor or both. but I tell people this, and I actually mean it. Like it sounds like a joke, and it could be a joke, and people can laugh, but it's not a joke. Like I believe Jesus to be real because I think the grave is empty. like he rose again, right That's why he's God. And my wife moved to Tennessee. <laughs> like those are the two things that I am like really, like, God is real. Why? Because the grave is empty. And my wife moved to Tennessee, <laughs> and part of that is like there's cer- certain things that only he can do. That's what I mean by that. Yes, sure. Right. And my wife moving to Tennessee was one of those things where it's like only he could make that happen. Only he could speak to her and say, "Hey, Sarah, it's going to be okay. Take this huge risk because it's not who she is. Mm-hmm. It's not how he built her. And so it had to be him, sort of moving in that way. And you know, I asked her I think just last night. It was, or maybe it was this morning. Like that was last night because we've, we've had a cruddy morning here in our mm-hmm. family. So it was definitely last night because it was a positive conversation. My kids are going <laughs> today. But I said, so how's Spring Hill working for you? And we'll just randomly ask each other that question. Like, how's Spring Hill working for you? And she's like, it's good. It's grown on me. I think I'm going to stick it out, you know? And, you know, sort of jokingly. But it was something that we prayed through. And I would say this, that there was no like, and then we had peace and we never mm-hmm. doubted. <laughs> it, has, it has been... I'll keep it clean. I wish Sioux Falls was horrible. I wish it was a bad town. I wish we didn't have friends there. I wish that it wasn't really affordable and, you know, like, mm-hmm. I sure. wish it wasn't this up-and-coming city because then I, would, I wouldn't I would miss it, right? But um, we really do miss it. And I think that's one of the challenges is people say, why'd you move? And it's sort of like, well, we hated this place and we love this place. And that's not really how it works sometimes. Sometimes it's like, we really liked where we lived and we wanted to try somewhere else. But that doesn't really compute for a lot of people. They, they want like, what's the reason? And I think it was a lesson for us to say, it, was, it doesn't have to be a reason. It can just be an option, right? Mm-hmm. And it also doesn't have to make sense to other people. It just has to make sense to us. And it made sense to us.
1: It's interesting you said that, because when, when my husband and I were church planters in France, we came back, and we came back earlier than anticipated, long story, but difficult time and, and basically shredded us. And so when we got back, I got this email, and I've shared this before, but I don't know if I've shared it on the ReStory show before, but got this email from this girl. She was in her 20s, and she said something like, well, I'm trying to discern God's will for my life, and you... Went to France and then you failed and had to come back early, so you obviously didn't hear from God uh-huh. when you went there in the first place. So please give me tips on how to avoid the thing you did. And <laughs> I was like, oh, great! The wisdom of
0: twenty-year-olds. Yes, I remember being that smart. Yeah,
1: I was. Yes, I, I have a couple of those uh, children now. They're very, very smart. <laughs> uh, but what I, what I finally, after I prayed about it and didn't, you know, gnash my teeth back at her. But what I said was, it's an American idea that if God is in a thing, it will naturally prosper. And I don't think that's what the gospel is. And I also think we have this idea that if God leads us somewhere, then the heavens are going to open up and the heavenly choir is going to sing and you will never have conflict or obstacles or anything.
0: I mean, think about the disciples. Like Jesus had these disciples, they walked with him and then they they went out and, and did their disciple thing, right? <laughs> and they all died. Yeah. Like,
1: like in bad ways, <laughs>
0: yeah. Like, do you think the disciples were like really disobedient and they just like went off the rails and that's why you know that that's why it didn't end well for them? Like, maybe it didn't end well for them because that's not the end. First of right, all, right? Sure. That's just part of their story, right? But maybe like that's just that was their role to fulfill. Like, yeah, you were supposed to go there and get killed by those people, and that's horrible. But you know that's not the end. And I I think that you were following God's will, and part of God's will was that people have freedom and that that freedom is brokenness and you got hurt by that but yeah that that idea of failure i've actually written about a lot lately i have a a very short book coming out about failure and comparison uh, and what fear tells us about comparison and it, it is amazing how much we make we try to make god american
1: yeah, it is. And I you don't really realize it until you leave the country and then come back because you after living overseas, you know, a couple of years, I didn't I didn't discern it until I came back. And then my eyes were open. I'm like, oh my gosh, this church yeah. looks like America, not like Yeah, the and church. it <laughs> is it's
0: hard because you wanna believe that you know, that we that God's values are American values and some of them overlap, but a lot of them don't, you know, and that's an important thing to be aware of in our own stories, you know, am I, am I trying to live God's story or the American story? And no one really yells at you for trying to live the American story. Like no one's gonna go like, stop trying to do that. Like, cause if, you know, because that's, that's what we celebrate. But I think what is becoming increasingly true and I actually think this is healthy is we're recognizing that, you know, the American dream in many ways is anti-God. Like I've heard it said that the American dream is essentially the seven deadly sins celebrated? <laughs> that's and well it was some, said. Someone walked me through, and I I, w- I got to go find it. But it was they said, okay, take the seven deadly sins, and like take gluttony for one, <laughs> which, as I recall, like gluttony is like getting anything you want and all the time, right? It's just more and more more and more, right? Right? Like like that's the buffet, like that's Las Vegas, like we celebrate the fact that we can have as much of anything we want, all you can eat, right? Like we celebrate. Uh, choices and yet, gluttony is having all you want all the time and just consume, consume, consume. And when we you know take uh, uh, lust. We celebrate lust, all right? Like these are the seven deadly sins. <laughs> like, but we celebrate them. And so in the context of that, you know, uh, we we in our move we're trying to make a God centered decision, and I think we have. Um, but again it's hard because you don't have a lot of what I call sojourners I think you and I are mm-hmm. sojourners mm-hmm. there's a people that just kind of try to walk the path in the same way you do kind of sing the same song and um, so it, I think that's another difficult part of the move and sometimes people listening to this might relate is when you're doing something that not a lot of other people do who do you go to to say hey that one time when you guys moved for really no reason other than you wanted to move like they're on a lot of people there's not a lot of books mm-hmm. and not right no But there's this podcast.
1: (laughs) There is. There is that. It's important.
0: You're welcome, people.
1: For the listeners of Restory, Audible is offering a free download with a free 30-day free trial to check out their services. Now, today, I'm going to suggest that you try a book called Transitions, Making Sense of Life's Changes by William Bridges, and uh, you can download that book or any other book that you've been wanting to listen to. To download it, go to audibletrial.com forward slash Restory. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash Restory for a free audiobook. Well, let's, let me ask a kind of a weird question. As your wife was going through this transition, and of course you were going through it too, and you were walking alongside her in it, one of the things that's helped me in going through a lot of transition is thinking about heaven as my home. Yeah. Did you guys ever have that conversation or kind of this un- realizing that our, our transience and our missing the familiar is actually a longing for another place?
0: Well, the conversations we had a lot were this is not permanent. we can go and if it doesn't work we we can just move like I think what we recognized was the ridiculous amount of freedom we have and I, I tell people this people who are struggling with fear and 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 what if I fail and and I tell people this like let's just assume that you and your husband don't have a job for a year right like you literally there's no money coming into your household for a year. here's what I believe with as much confidence as you know the board I'm knocking on right now, okay? I believe that you could email 100 people and say, we don't have any income for the next 12 months. Can you send us $100 a month at 100 people? That's $10,000 a month. And 100 people, and we would be one of them, would say, yep, no questions asked. Not like, when are we going to get it back or are we going to earn it? Like The ridiculousness of how blessed we are we really are at a level that we cannot fail because we have so many great people around. We have such a great community of people that just care for us. And the question for us is what are we going to do with that freedom? What good are we going to do with it? And so in, in light of heaven, I think what we realized was that we're supposed to do things that are good for our kids and for our marriage and that we're not going to do things just because the world says we should like, and then this is going to sound silly, <laughs> but it's sort of like people used to say, like, David Hasselhoff is huge in Germany or Europe mm-hmm. or, or anyways, it was like a joke, it was like a punchline. But like, mm-hmm. I feel like in Sioux Falls, I was doing really well. Like, mm-hmm. people started to who I was. But I come here and I'm nobody. Like, I'm the least popular guy or whatever. Cause there's this is a place where a lot of very successful people come. Sure. Very successful people, especially in my sort of line of work. And it's sort of like saying, I'm going to go be at the bottom of the totem pole. But the reason I wanted to do that is because, like, it—it's all a game. Like, and your question was in light of heaven. It was like, why do you want to move somewhere? Why do you want to go from a big fish in a small pond to a small fish in a big pond? And I go because because that stuff doesn't matter. Like, what matters is like how are my kids doing? How's my wife doing? How's my heart doing? And and I felt like those things weren't all going to grow to where they could be in Sioux Falls. And I won't get into a lot of this detail because it's pretty personal, but. There are other reasons that we wanted to move away from Sioux Falls, family related, mm-hmm. to where we just felt like, you know what, this is an opportunity to really start a new, like, you know, they say you get married and you plant a new tree. But if you plant that tree really close to the other tree, <laughs> it's kind of in the shadow of it, you know. Yeah. And I really wanted to plant our tree a little further away. So that's as much as I'll say about that. But that's another opportunity is when you, when you get to make big decisions, it's an opportunity to really be on your own and see how God's gonna provide for you. Because our safety net, you know, we have friends and such, but we we don't have grandma who babysits our kids once a week like we did before. And so it's an opportunity for God to show up. And he had, surprise, surprise,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Uh, God has shown up.
1: Well, we've been experiencing a lot of that too with my husband's joblessness and just trying to make ends meet. And every week we just are able to to do it. And we're in a place, a really uncomfortable place. And that's where I've realized You know, as we face maybe our own possible move, I realize that I grow best when I'm out of my comfort zone and when the soil shifts with beneath me. And so, there is something like pioneering about starting over, or something that makes you it, it like it forces you to trust God.
0: Uh, yeah, and again, it's it's God's mercy, right? It's His like He's good to us even though we don't deserve it. And that's that's the whole story. We get what we don't deserve. <laughs> Mm-hmm. right we don't get what we do deserve but i completely resonate that with that and that one of the worst things that i experience is success mm-hmm. because it makes me lazy i'm working on this i'm 38 years old and i still feel like i wake up every day and i go when i'm an adult <laughs> i'm gonna get good at this like I, I mary i seriously still think like that i seriously think when i grow up right when i become an adult when i become responsible i'll because i just feel like i'm um, just beginning, like we joked about the 20-something, like, I really thought I knew things when I was 20, (laughs) right? And I'm like 38, and I think the difference is now you know what you don't know. You're like, all right, I'm really not that smart. Like, there's a lot I don't know. And I am working on figuring out how to maintain a healthy work ethic and focus and production when things aren't tight. And for me, it's just, if I make money, I get lazy. Like if I if our bank account's good, I just go, ah, I won't write, I won't work on that next project, <laughs> I won't reach out to that person. And and that is not healthy. <laughs> you know, it's just it's just it's just not. But God is good and He's taking care of us and it's hard to reach for the uncomfortable. We because, because again, we're sold this idea that like the goal is comfort. Right. Like like that's 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 the ultimate, you know, that's the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And yet what really is awesome is when you kind of drive into the storm, right away from the rainbow, away from the gold, you know?
1: Yeah, and we've, I totally hear you. And like when we went to France, we were doing the reverse American dream. We had the house, we had the kids, we had the cars, we sold everything. Um, we kept some furniture and put it on a barge. But uh, other than that, everything, we left everything. And there was such freedom in that journey, but so many people I think are just, we're just a bunch of terrified folks of doing something that's out of our sphere or out of what we like to do. Or even like, I mean, you just spoke to it on the entrepreneurial bent or the side of things. I recently had a podcast that went live this week and it was a girl who was a missionary in China, but then she came home and she was feeling really unsettled because she didn't have a defined life like it was she wasn't a blank she was actually doing about seven different things and things oh, yeah. were not defined and and the lord said to her are you willing to live an undefined life and so there's those kind of margins out there, too, of it's not just being willing to move, it's being willing to say, well, I make, you know, $400 a month from this and 700 from this and, you know, uh, $4.87 from this and it's not defined and I'm not a blank. <laughs>
0: What's the second question every man asks another man? Do you know?
1: No, because it's just, what do you do? <laughs> the,
0: first, the first question is, what's your name? And the second is, what do you what do? What do you do? Yeah. If you're meeting another dad on the soccer field, maybe moms do this too, but I'm not going to speak to moms because I don't understand them. Uh, <laughs> is I won't pretend to understand them. I'll put it that way. That uh, I know how men act and I know how we square each other up. And you don't say, tell me about your family. You don't say, where do you go to church? You, you go right to, how can I measure you? And you, what do you do? And, and because- because we believe that says the most about who you are, right? Like we go from what's your name, which it takes a lot of work to change. And like, it's, it's what is more important and more, what identifies us more deeply than our name? Nothing really. Yeah. But the second bit of information we want from another human being, another soul, another child of God is what do you do for a living, right? And so that speaks volumes about what we think is most important. And as a person who does a lot of different things. I really, my neighbor asked me the other day, you know, we've lived next to each other for, I don't know, six months. Andy, what exactly do you do again? You know, (laughs) and you know, with a cringe, I say I do a lot of things. I've written some books. I do some business consulting uh, on culture. You know, I've spoken a, a few times. I've done some podcasting. I just do a lot of things. And a lot of times I wish I could just say, I'm an accountant because mm-hmm. <laughs> they'd go, okay, I understand you. You're in this box. Let's move on and talk about something else because we really think that like that's the thing that matters the most. And I won't say our work doesn't matter. It does, but it's not as important as we think it is or as people make it out to be.
1: And in other cultures, if you go in an African context, that's never the first question. Who's your family? Who's your father? Who's your mother? What village are you from? And who, yeah. who are you connected to? Which I find fascinating because we never ask those questions until, you know, question 17 or something. So. Really?
0: Yeah. And, you know, so you, know, you realize it doesn't have to be that way. You, you, you said something I, I want to lean into a little bit. Uh, and I'm not exactly sure how you phrased it. I don't have the rewind button. But you said something about how we really make so many decisions based on our anxiety or our fear. And I've been writing about this a lot. I've been thinking about this. And to be really brutally honest, as I was preparing for our conversation today, looking through our emails and, and really just searching from my heart for like, God, what, what am I supposed to talk about with my friend, Mary? And it came up that most of our decisions, and I would encourage you who are listening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, slow down, stop, listen to this, is ask yourself this question and be honest. How many of your decisions do you make out of fear like what you wear is that based on what are other people going to say about it right how are people going to perceive me that's fear okay how do i worship physically how do you worship because how you what you do with your body that may or may not attract people to to look at you whether it's raise your hands or sing louder or get into the music or not like that's a decision based on fear what you do or don't say to your spouse right or your boss at work whoever it is, like. You may see something going wrong in public and you don't intervene, why? Out of fear. It is astounding to me as kings and queens, you know, that that we are victors, right? That we, children of of the almighty God, how many decisions, how much of our day-to-day life is predicated, built upon fear. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: I'm really trying to pay attention to that. And so when I feel fear to say, that's not of God. Like God doesn't want me to fear. He he, That's not of him.
1: Right. He didn't give you that spirit of fear. He didn't give
0: me that. That's not him talking, right? That's not him talking. And so if we pay attention to that, then we realize that there's so much freedom when we go, I'm not afraid because I know I win. I know I don't live here forever. And I know those people's opinion means nothing in light of his opinion. And that's not him talking. And so what's scary about this, Mary, is that the voice we hear talking the most throughout our day is not his. Because hmm. if we hear fear almost all day long, that's the enemy, right? Like we tell each other, we tell ourselves lies, we listen to fear. And it's like, it, it would be like if you're really, really ultra uh, liberal and you listen to like Fox News Radio all day, like it would drive you insane because you're <laughs> like, this is not, this is like, this is not my truth. And you could flip it, right? Okay, whatever the alternative that is. Mm-hmm. So why do we do that? Like, why do we listen to the soundtrack? Like, I think of like death metal or like hardcore rap, like something that would just make me go like, this is horrible. I would never play that soundtrack. And yet as a Christian, and I'm fighting against this because I'm aware of it, I let fear be my soundtrack. And with this move and with every word I write, every time that I'm compelled to speak truth to a, a, a stranger or a friend or my wife or my kids, like it's all battling fear, right? Mm-hmm. But, and this is the truth of scripture is that he says, perfect, lo- perfect love casts out fear. Like when you really love someone, you're not afraid, right? And and, and when you really, really experience Christ's love, like I love you no matter what, Andy, you don't have to be afraid of anything. That's where I'm moving to. And it's only taken me 38 years to start to think about it. <laughs> <that. You know? laughs> so another 38, I might have figured out.
1: I know. That's the thing. But by that time, we're like, you know, we're knocking on death's door.
0: <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Here's the beauty of it. My kids will know about cuz my 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 oldest um child is Samuel. My oldest boy, my only boy, but and he 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 experiences a lot of fear. Mm. Um he's just he's a shy kid, very sweet, very sensitive. He
1: is very sweet.
0: He is very sweet, but he experiences fear. You know, oh but what if, but what if and I'm I'm scared and I'm shy and and some of that's okay and that's just personality, but some of it is he's not listening to the right voice, right? And so it's not my job to say, you're wrong, stop thinking like that. Uh, my job is to turn up the other music louder, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? To turn up that other, that other story, that other voice, so it drowns out the fear, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm trying to do in my own life is I wake up every day and I try to do things that, you know, fear, fear does not shut up. Fear is not going anywhere. You can't turn it off. But I would just say you have to act in spite of it,
1: mm-hmm. Right.
0: So I don't, I don't wait for fear to go away. It's not going to go away. Like Satan's a loser, but he's not a quitter,
1: yeah, right? So, true. Well,
0: he's not <laughs> quitting. So I'm not going to quit either. And uh, God's not quitting and he wins. And so for this move, for my creative endeavors, for my business, part of it is you just keep moving forward mm-hmm. uh, and, and you go, well, what's ahead? I don't know, but God is my seatbelt. And he gives me airbags. So I'm just going to keep driving, even though I can't see what's up ahead. And that's kind of where I am right now. You know, as I feel like I reinvent my business every 12 months. Mm -hmm. And, you know, marriage is great for six months. And then we have a rocky patch, but you don't give up. You just keep going forward. You guys Mm -hmm. have some big questions to answer in the next probably three to six months. And you could just kind of cower in fear. You go, you know what? We're just going to keep driving, just going to keep going forward and trust that he'll take care of us. But Satan wants us to be afraid and he wants us to stop. He wants us to do nothing, essentially, right? And and yet God says, don't be afraid and keep going. That's what we've been doing. And as I joked earlier, like, he's taking care of us.
1: Mm-hmm. So if you were going to give, I mean, that's probably the best advice right there, I would I would say. But if you're going to give any other piece of advice to someone going through, like, anticipating a big transition like that, mm-hmm. in retrospect, what would you say?
0: Yeah, so I'm remembering I was taken right back to before we got on, a little pre show stuff. You know, Mary prepped me, you're like, hey, I'm going to ask you this question. But this, is, this just popped in my mind as you asked that question again. And I was going to that time when I'd broken my engagement and I was living with my friends. I went from like a youth pastor, people looked up to me, you know, a, a month from being married, you know, new life, pretty fiance, to living in my friend's basement right, working at Bed Bath & Beyond. And, you know, really everything I would sort of built up and built towards was just gone, right? And I remember going out to the backyard and reading a book for like an hour, you know, and I came back inside and I was having a conversation with the mom of the family that I was living with. And I said, you know, Shanna, what I'm really worried about is I'm worried I'm I'm not gonna be the same person I was before. Like, I'm worried I'll never get back to that. And she said, you know, Andy, I've known you for, I don't know, at that point, like 10 years. She said, I've never seen you sit and read a book that long. Which which maybe means that you're not gonna be that person again because you weren't supposed to be, like you're not. The goal is not to get back to that. The goal is to become something else. And so what I would say is, if you're considering a big decision and you go, well, what's gonna happen? And what I would say is, you're gonna change. You may look completely different in two or three years, and maybe that's exactly what you're supposed to do. So instead of resisting the change and saying, oh my gosh, what's gonna happen? What's gonna change? What's gonna change? You flip it and you say things are going to change. Something's going to happen, right? I will be different. Our family will be different. It may be more difficult for a season, right? When we moved, our marriage did not get better. It got worse. We went found a great marriage counselor, right? Now our marriage is better than when before we moved, right? So my advice to people is don't think, how can I keep things the same? Think, God does not change, but I'm supposed to. (laughs) So go change, Like, that's okay. And don't be afraid of it because if you really believe that God is faithful, even when you're not, he will be, right? Mm -hmm. And he is better than we are. (laughs) And I'm very grateful for that. And I just, I want to encourage people, and this is not like a sales thing because Mary's not selling anything, but like hold closely to the people you know that are speaking truth and Mary speaks truth. And so turn off the channels, the shows, the blogs, the email newsletters, that discourage you and make you feel small. And just listen to voices that encourage you and lift you up and don't make you feel like, oh, I should, I should, I should. One of my favorite things I wrote about on my blog today is Brennan Manning, I'll end with this. Brennan Manning, one of my favorite authors of all time, who was a complete mess of a human being, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: complete. I read his autobiography and it was like staggering, like what a horrible, horrible person he was. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, But Jesus loves him and I think he's in heaven. Uh, but he would say this, we spend so much time saying, I should have done this. I should have done that. I should do this next. And he says, we need to stop shoulding all over ourselves. It's all about should, should, should. And we need to stop doing that. And I think that we're way too hard on ourselves. And we need to just surround ourselves with people who love us as we are, just like Jesus did. Sojourners like Mary. Listen to her words and walk forward in faith and I think it's going to be okay.
1: I love that. I, I needed to hear that too. So it's really good timing for the things going on in our lives right now as well. Uh, so the last question then is how has God restoried you or your family in this transition and this move?
0: I think that you don't know what you're capable of until you do it. You know, it's all a guess until you do it. You know, whether you're the little kid and you climb up to the big diving board and you jump and you go, wow. I couldn't do that before, but now I know I can. And so maybe that's a conversation with your spouse. Maybe that's a conversation at work. Maybe it's a moving a thousand miles. I don't know what it is, but you really don't know if you're capable of it until you do it. And because we have a God who loves us so much, as long as it's not against his word, it's not dangerous, then I would say, what are you waiting for? Like, what story are you listening to that says, you can't do that. You can't try that. And so, you know, the way that God has restored our life is he, He's taught us, you get to write your own story. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be there alongside you. I'm going to keep giving you more paper. <laughs> and that's a pretty empowering thing. A lot of us believe we're part of a system and the government will help us and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like we are incredibly privileged people. If you are listening to a podcast, then you are in a top percentage of people in the world that have opportunities. And I would say, what are you going to do with them? Are you going to bless your family and bless the world? uh, Or are you going to just do what's safe? And Mary, you have done some very unsafe things. And you have lived to tell about it. And you have more unsafe things to come. And that's okay. I think that's just part of your story. And it's become part of ours. And it's very liberating.
1: I love that. And i I love to end on that kind of note of freedom because you're right. I think we do live with that script of fear, or that soundtrack of fear, and it prevents us from really not only discovering God in the margins, but discovering who we are mm-hmm. and who we are as a a unit of family as well, because I'm sure that... You know, your your transition wasn't just you. It wasn't just your <laughs> wife. It was no. your marriage. It was every relationship with every child and also your families back in different locales and all of that. So it was a multidimensional change, but you never would have learned had you not taken that crazy step.
0: <laughs> never. And remember that, friends. Like, remember Mary's wisdom right there. Like, you will never learn until you do it. You just, there's no other way to learn other than to take action. That's not a license to be irresponsible. do it with prayer, but it will not make sense to everyone right like but that's how God rolls he doesn't He doesn't always make sense to us right uh, and if he did, he probably wouldn't be god
1: i'm so grateful I'm so grateful for that truth because uh I'd rather follow a a God who sometimes doesn't make sense, but is as big as the sky, you know, that can do those amazing things. He comes in where we leave off. So, if we're always in control, then we don't need him ever.
0: Yeah, that's kind of a lame story. And like, what do you need him for? (laughs) You know? So, I have... Been using him liberally, like he's, <laughs> he's, he, I've been coming up short a lot, and uh, he's he's been taking care of me.
1: Yep. On that note, um, thanks for listening to the Restory Show, and thank you, Andy, for joining me today. Thank you, friend. Thanks for listening to the Restory Show. Do you mind if I pray for you today? Jesus, I lift up those folks who are going through transitions right now who are maybe they've lost a job or they just sense there's a change in the wind or they're going to move or something, um, some big upheaval is happening right now. I just pray for peace. I pray for deep, abiding, know it beyond a shadow of a doubt peace that comes that passes all that understanding. Would you please help us as we walk into new territories, as we take new land, as we look back on our lives and maybe live with some regrets even then you are the God of those you are the one who died on the cross for everything that we've endured and for the sin that we've entangled ourselves with and yet today we can have this brand new clean slate Lord thank you that the American dream is not your dream I pray you would make us into kingdom people people who want to see your kingdom instead of building our own over and over and over these castles to the sky Instead, let us pray that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, that your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. Keep us close to your heart, and Lord, help us to thank you for the trials that help us to press into you and not have to be a control freak on this earth, but we can relinquish control and let you take the reins. Thank you that we don't have to be perfect, we don't have to live this life perfectly, but that your strength is made perfect in our weakness. Thank you for that. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to know more about today's show with links and extended stuff, please go to marydemuth.com forward slash restory17. That's a one-seven. And may you live a brand new story this week.